This is Parking in Bitterman Circle number 49 for July 20th, 2020. Aaron. Welcome back to Parking in Bitterman Circle. Today's interview is going to be with Chad Zamish, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. I hope you enjoy it. This is Chad Zamish talking to you live from my dark, dank basement here in Atlanta, Georgia. Outstanding. And what is it that you do? I mean, how, how did I meet you? That's kind of a good question. We met because in the year of our Lord, 2008, uh, I was going to have some children or rather my wife was and I was going to watch and yeah we had um, uh, our production manager said hey I know a guy that could come out and fill in and then you showed up one day with your suitcase and you never left God yeah I know I'm like uh, I'm like mosquitoes pretty much (laughs) Um, so when you were coming up through school did you have uh any you know music classes or anything to do with the arts i mean did you uh yeah i um started in i want to say fifth or sixth grade they kind of came around i was going to a small um a little bit more private like catholic grade school thing first through sixth grade and i think somebody maybe from the more public school system came around with some things to show the class and obviously the the things that you kind of bang on and make a lot of noise with the cymbals and all the other percussion and everything were the things that sort of really caught my eye. I thought it'd be a lot cooler than, Oh, say playing a tuba or something. <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't have the, the girth for that. So <laughs> Uh, that's how I started, and it started with lessons, just a little practice pad, and then I kind of moved up to my practice snare drum thing, and then I kind of stayed with um, just a school band program and a um, few lessons through high school, but, I, you know, I was pretty quick to want a drum set. And this being rural southern Wisconsin, I was only kind of exposed to very few things, limited access to. You know, it's not like we had jazz clubs and everything nearby or anything I could even get into. So, you know, the bands like I got into were like, you know, Rush, of course. And they were one of the few bands where you could actually go to the video store and rent like a live performance. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of my first introduction to, you know, large format concerts and production and huge drum sets and all that kind of thing so yeah that's kind of where i was headed i was really wanted to be in a band and 
So what was the first live concert you attended? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, my mom probably took me to like a bluegrass thing, but the first like outdoor amphitheater rock concert thing I went to was, um, was the cult opening up for Billy Idol. Wow. And my friend, two friends I was in a band with, uh, they had bought four tickets, two for them and two for, um, two girls they were trying to get you know use leverage to take two girls to this thing and uh so that didn't pan out for them so they offered a ticket to me and and their mom drove us down there so it was that was eye-opening oh yeah was that when you had your i gotta do that moment or was it when you you know saw another show where it was like oh i i definitely gotta do this uh I was, yeah, it was such a mystery that, and I, and I was pretty, like, pretty far f- removed from it. I didn't know anybody that, you know, played in a large band like that. I didn't know anybody that worked for bands. I didn't even know you could do that. So it was a little, it was such a mystery, and it was so removed from what I knew that it was just, you kind of think, like, you know, that's not something I could never do, or I got to practice more. Right. You know, but I think it was, I, I would think it was probably 15 at the time, 14 mm-hmm. or 15. And then went to, um, ACDC indoors at the, what they called the Dane County Coliseum in Madison. I went to that thing on my own, sat up way in the back and kind of watched the whole thing happen. Right. Um, that was pretty interesting. It's always something I, I actually, I'm trying to think of when I went to see, it was something actually in the sixties, my, parents took me to oh wow it was either donovan or james taylor or someone along those lines uh oh we actually c train opening for james taylor okay so i mean that was uh, at a venue called music inn which is close to tanglewood which uh i know you know of mm-hmm. what was your first hard lesson when you started doing this work i mean did you i mean what what kind of got you where you all of a sudden it's sort of it sort of gets your 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 values kind of uh established i mean i know for me i was uh i had a, a boss who's like know your place you know <laughs> and i was like oh okay i see how this is going to be you know and it, it's it's and i think i end up following up with some other questions uh, a little bit later with uh along those lines like i mean how because of the relationships we end up having with these people you know eventually i don't know that's a tough one i think it, you know i had gotten into doing audio and stuff first so that's kind of how i got started <laughs> in any kind of production in the live industry, live music industry and, you know, corporate gigs and things like that. And, and I knew from doing some of that stuff that I wasn't so much cut out for wearing a suit to work, (laughs) you know, but I was interested in all aspects of sound and audio and everything. Um, So I I had kind of just fallen into the backline thing uh, when a guy I worked with, we took a monitor system out with the breeders 
and they were pretty fun, very, you know, more family oriented kind of a thing. It wasn't, it wasn't like a hard business structure, like another band I worked for, um, I think in like 99 ish where they were like, this is, we're running this like a corporation and this is what it is. And it's like, well, okay, that's a little disappointing, but you know, it's your band, whatever. Um, so, and then the, you know, the, the second act I really did guitars for was Courtney Love. And it was, you know, with the whole tour, it was kind of after Kurt had died maybe six months before that or something. And it was more, it was a family situation, but a dysfunctional one. And there wasn't, I didn't have like a, there wasn't again, like a major um, hierarchy or anything going on. You just, as long as you were doing your gig, you know, you were okay. So um, not all, not all gigs are like that. And it's, when you start to run into those situations where you're more of a cog, when you go from kind of good friends to the cog position, um, which happens, yeah, yeah, and it's it can be, you know, a little off-putting. It can kind of take the fun out of it somewhat. But I think at that point, you probably have to decide, like, am I am I going to make this a career? And if so, then I probably have to get up to speed, you know, and figure out how to get into the bigger bands and large, larger organizations that require more, you know, overseers and bosses and people organizing other people. Mm-hmm. Did you have a mentor of any sort? Uh, I, I did early on. Somebody I looked up to uh, was a one Monty Lee Wilkes who I worked at. Yeah, buddy. Uh, at the Southern Thunder with, right? So he was a sound guy and, and he and the other guy, Miles Kennedy, who um, I worked with a bunch. Um, we, those two had just gotten off tour with Nirvana actually. And Monty had done, let's see our, our company, Southern Thunder, they had done some um, Beastie Boys stuff. So Steve Wallace was their monitor, monitor engineer. I looked up to him um, but Monty had had a real like road guy, touring guy attitude and way of looking at things. And I, I pretty much soaked all that up, you know, kind of watched what he did and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that it was pretty, I would, probably, I would say Monty. So uh, what did he, what did he give you that you still carry with you? <laughs> um, mm, like little nuggets of information, things. Uh, he had these little, like we would go do some of these other shows with, uh, uh, I think we went down to um, the Quad Cities from Minneapolis to do a flood relief thing in 91 or somewhere in there 92 and it was a big multi um gig multi-band sort of festival sort of situation we brought the pa and stuff down and and i was just totally wide-eyed i wanted to 
uh, finally a part of like a real rock and roll situation here. <laughs> and uh, he spent most of the show sleeping under the desk. Like he, <laughs> he couldn't have cared less. And I was like, man, how can you not be into this? Even if you don't like the music or whatever, I think it was the damn Yankees and, but you know, some other bands and stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I was so, enthralled and wide-eyed about everything that i was i just was trying to soak everything up and i was like (laughs) these sleeping under the the spare console somewhere and uh a lot of a lot of just you know some kind of funny stuff like um you know like he had all these sort of monty lee wilkes road rule number 256 (laughs) if you can't see it off the exit it's not there you know like if you're going down the if you're going on the highway and it says gas and you can't physically see a fuel stop yeah you know and you get off and it's like okay well you got to drive another 10 miles to get to it you know so you just go blow past it little things like that are kind of, i think back and you know when i use those little things i think back and kind of laugh to myself a little bit but it's it's, it's good advice though <laughs> yeah it is true and solid advice that's why i still I still hang on to it. Yeah. Um, you know, working in backline, uh, you tend to run into a, a, a good cross selection of people. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts about musical texts as opposed to technical texts. You know, mm. I mean, obviously sometimes guys are musicians and they have a better, a better ability to uh, create the environment for the, for the player. And then there are people like me, who I, I may, I might have five chords in my pocket at one time, and uh, I'm not not afraid to use maybe one or two of them to check, make sure that everything's working. But uh, I mean, I, I really I I find it fascinating. I think because you know sometimes when you're lucky, you get a musical tech and a musical um, um, player. In together, which is great. And it's really weird sometimes to watch it when it goes the other way around. You know, I was I was shocked to find out certain guys that I admired couldn't play a lick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, it, it's it's that's a good thing for a lot of people <laughs> that that aren't you know a, a virtuoso or a, they don't practice the instrument or anything. It's their their talents lie elsewhere. Um, with sorting gear, fixing gear. Um, there's just so many other things you have to do to be a backline tech that being able to play the instrument is just one in a long list of things that you may or may not have to do. I, I think that I, I've always been real careful because I've seen early on, I kind of, you know, I had seen the, the frustrated musician tech and he, this person is somebody that's a friend of the band's or maybe we used to be in the band or something. And he's just kind of, well, I'm in this band and that band and I do this and that, but I'm just out here helping these guys right now. And I, I always knew that that wasn't a place that I wanted to be. I didn't want to be sitting there and have like a resentment towards the band or the guy that's in the position or to be like, well, I play drums better than that. It's not what that's about at all. Uh, I, I just wanted to, to kind of do what I was doing and that's all I wanted to do. Uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't con- too concerned about not trying to get in the band. You know, that's some people they're like, well, if I, maybe if I stick with this, I'll, 
they'll ask me to be in the band. And once, right. you, right. once you think you're the fifth member, you know, it's like, oh boy, you, the writing's on the wall. You often see that person. Oh boy, they're going down. They're going to be out of here in a few months. And I was just, I just read something about somebody else was reminiscing about the photographer that thought he was, came out on tour and thought he was in the band. And it wasn't too long before he was persona non grata. But, um, I, you know, I think it's it, certain players probably like to, I think they like to have someone to speak musically to. And there's other guys that don't want any of that input. You know, I, I've seen people, I've seen people like, you know, adjust the amps and stuff to their liking. And then the artist comes out, does sound check, and then they change things. And then when they leave, the tech goes back and puts the things back the way they want them. I mean, that is just like the wrong, Oh yeah. The wrong way to go about it. And the wrong, you know, like you shouldn't be there doing that then if that's what your priority is or what your ammo is. So, you know, yeah, I don't know. There, it's good to have a to have a common language, at least. Um, but it goes beyond playing notes and things. It's kind of about the sound and the vibe. And the there are guys that are just vibey dudes, right. and they're great to have on tour, and everybody loves them. So, you know, and if somebody like that has a shortcoming somewhere on the road, then you know other people will step in or help, or you figure it out. So, it's not it's not a requirement for sure. No, yeah, that's the thing that, you know, and I also find that it's really interesting to see the delicate line between collaboration and support. Yeah. You know, um, you know what do you bring your clients, transparency or influence? I mean, how do you tell what's best? I mean, and I, I think I'm thinking along the lines of like, are you one of those kind of texts that's more like a Sherpa or a caddy who's kind of uh, <laughs> going, you know, uh, the next one's a par uh, five uh, dog leg, uh-huh. you know. And yeah. as, as opposed to sort of a pack mule mentality where you're just sort of handing things to people and they're, and they're on their own. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you can kind of do both. That's what I try to do is just to stay in the support role. And it, you know, if I'm asked about something or with the current employer, you know, he, it, it, I don't know how to explain it, but the things he kind of leaves things in my hands, you know, if they say, Hey, we're going to pull out this song from this album way back here, then I, I'll go ahead and put together the sounds and the things and the delay, or this is the, Hey, I came up with this for this part. Hey, it sounds cool. Or, uh, Hey, can you shorten the delay up or can you fix this? Or that's not right or something. So I'd like to be able to offer something and to, to kind of have something, a sound or whatever that you an idea that you put forth to help the guy out or the girl out and then have them accept it as good. You, that makes you feel good. There's yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. That makes you feel like, Hey, I'm here and I'm helping and they trust my input and value my, my services and, and my ear and stuff like that. It's, it's always nice when you can do that. It can. <laughs> yeah. I think it can bite you in the butt too, but Oh, well, <laughs> I tell you, I, I love a guy who can tell you exactly what it is they're looking for. Because I've been in that position with the guy that doesn't know uh, what it is he wants. He just uh, knows yeah. that what you're doing right now is wrong. Yeah. You know? And it's like, okay, um, well, then, <laughs> I'll try this, you know. And 
And then you're running out in the afternoon to get more and more pedals from the, from the uh, guitar center or whatever music stores in town. Here, try this here, try that here, try this, try that. Yeah. <laughs> like that's never ending can be a never ending battle. Like, tell me what you want. How about uh, this? Tell me one thing that most people, including the ones that you work with, wouldn't think of you. Tell, say that again. I was. Oh, tell, tell me one thing that most people, including the ones you work with, wouldn't think of you. I mean, not that you're a, a you know a, a crossdresser, serial killer, or anything like that, but. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not judging here. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I, I don't know. Um, well, that's a deep one. I, I'm, I'm a bit more of a heart on my sleeve kind of person. So I don't really feel like there's much in my life that I don't share with people that I'm on the road with especially for a long time. Yeah. Um, you cover in a, in a long bus ride, you can cover a lot of, a lot of ground. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't, there's not too much. I don't reveal really. I don't, you know, I'm trying to think of an instance where somebody couldn't believe something, but I don't know. Maybe I'm not too strange or something i don't know <laughs> no i mean i mean i know for you know i know for for example that you are uh, you're always looking for solutions when it comes to the uh the equipment stuff that you're dealing with and um and i also know that i mean one of the things that uh that they had in common was uh was your your love of old cars and yeah and, and doing stuff like that mm-hmm. um, where you know, I mean, it's it's funny to find out that you know that something that's really a passion of yours turns out to be something that's becomes part of that vocabulary you have with uh, with the person you're working with. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It gives you it gives you an entirely separate thing to be on the same page about, right? Rather than okay, well, if we're done talking about our gear. Um, I'm going to have my lunch over here in peace. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's just, <laughs> it sure is nice to have other things to talk about. Yeah. But I don't, I don't have any, uh, like, Oh, you know, you raise alpacas. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything like that too much. I'm sure there's, you know, there's things that it may not come out. You know, there's, I don't know. That's a hard question. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, your, uh, your other half on, on your tour. I'm, 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 I'm sure I'm going to be talking about troubles or something by the the end of it. Exactly. I think maybe I, if you know me, you know, I love humor and comedy and stuff. And I, uh, maybe that's something that I, I, I got to get up on stage and do it at least once. Right. I really want to try stand up. I thought it'd be kind of funny or fun or interesting or entertaining to kind of like book a gig here and there whilst on tour out on the road or something, you know, yeah. which was kind of what well, it was kind of fun to have Jim Brewer out with us on the, on the last uh, run well, with Metallica, because it was like, here's a guy that's doing it. And then they're also doing shows on the days off and stuff and seeing how they, those guys live and how they tour and what their, 
what their attitude was. And it was great to have them on the tour bus because they are like, they're not, you know, sick of catering, so to speak, or they're not, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh God, this venue, they're just like, wow, this is awesome, man. You see all the people in there. And then after the show, they're all hyped up. And that was so great. You see that girl and you see that guy and that old guy and this, you know, they were like, just, you know, amazed by everything and to be on a, a tour of that scale. And that was totally infectious. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, like, uh, Jim's, uh, timing is, is, is pretty great. He really yeah. does have, he really does have a gift. And we had a lot of yucks on the bus after oh, the show. I that bet. was fun. Yeah. What would be your proudest moment professionally or personally? Hmm. Proudest moment. Wow. I, boy, I don't know. I mean, personally, it's, it's my family, of course, you know, raising my kids and learning. They're at the, they're 11 now. So they're kind of at an age where some of the things, these little tiny seeds that you planted years ago, are starting to, um, starting to come out and without having to ask them for it like I was I was I was really big on please and thank yous teaching them please and thank you say please say thank you and now when they do that I really notice you know when I when I'm not asking them or giving them the look like you better say thank you uh, I think that's a real important life skill it's easy one and it's a good one to be able to get along with people so there's there's that kind of stuff I think um, you know I don't seek out any sort of accolades as far as work goes but if something cool happens it's kind of nice and it's kind of cool like if the whole organization gains some respect or something from the industry and or just people that are friends or old you know old classmates or something to say wow i saw you were in antarctica doing a show what was that like those kind of things are sort of fun and they're it's definitely like a milestone thing or mm-hmm. something, but I have, I can kind of have a hard time with, and I'm specifically thinking of, of Facebook. There's a lot of people that are self promoters. I don't really don't like to do that. And if I do say something on Facebook about myself, it has to be a really, really like outstanding kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of people that are still like, and Instagram too, like you're still posting pictures of your lunch. You know, I yeah. remember when everybody did that, it was like, Hey, Facebook, this is where we post. This is where we show everybody what we're having for lunch, you know? Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, just once in a while to get a little, Hey, that's cool. Hey, good job. Or, you know, something along those lines, a little pat on the back is always nice, but yeah, I mean, hey, listen, you know, uh, you know, we we definitely pulled off a couple of uh, uh, intriguing episodes, <laughs> and, and it takes other people to remind you of that too. Yeah. Um, somebody, somebody posted something. Oh, three, four years ago today, this is where I was. You know, with somebody yeah. from an audio company or something like that, and I was like, oh, that was in, oh, that that was the show in Columbia or something where the yeah. gear got stuck and it came super late. You know, like an hour, two hours before showtime. And, yeah. <laughs> and then our truck that had the back line in it 
broke down on the side of the road. So yeah. there we were standing, you know, we're like hanging around in the tuning room helping you get stuff. Like they got, they got nothing to do. They're going to help me out. Yeah, pulling stuff like that off is is what we should be doing, you know. And it's kind of funny to laugh about later. Yeah, well, but I mean, it's, it's a it's, good it's, feeling. It's a, it's tough, you know. A lot of people think that I'm acting aloof and you know not saying certain band names when I'm doing the podcast and everything. Mm-hmm. They, they think that I'm trying, you know. Hey, and this is a, a world of uh, NDAs and, uh, and and very. Mm-hmm professional behavior you know i mean it isn't as it isn't as uh, loosey-goosey as it used to be yeah uh, by, by any means but, no uh, not at all yeah i mean when people kind of say come to you and they have the those stars in their eyes and they're like tell me about all the backstage parties and the craziness and stuff and you're kind of like well you know you don't you know the band i work for has been at this for a long time and you know, you have to come to a point in your life where you're like, if I want to survive doing this, then it can't be, you know, this crazy whacked out shit show every night. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just not going to last as, as people and humans. I, I finally <laughs> brought myself due to, 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 um, COVID boredom to watch the Motley Crue thing, the, oh the dirt. Yeah. You know, just to just to see, and it was like, okay, I could see where they're glossing over certain things, and I can see kind of where they're punching up the Hollywood bits and things. Like I can recognize all that, and even even in their story, they were. I think they were kind of like, you know, we couldn't continue to do it like this. It's just not. It's just not feasible. But I I always struggle with this kind of. Um, this fine line between self-promotion and leveraging your position, right? So if you don't have a certain amount of maybe confidence or the ability to say, well, if I can take care of this artist, I'm pretty sure I could take care of you or let's give it a shot. You know, you like to be able to rely on the things that you've done over the years but I, I am definitely not the guy that is trying to get a picture with the band members and then posting that all the time and look, here's where I am and this is what I'm doing and aren't I great kind of stuff. Like, it's, I just, I, I don't even like to kind of talk about that stuff. Like, I don't like to talk about me. I think what we kind of do is interesting, of course, um, but it defines a part of me, but not all of me. So... Well, it's funny. I, I, I actually, um, it's funny that, I mean, I guess I've gotten one uh, accolade from one of the uh, people. That I, I actually started doing this podcast in 2005 and I did work on it through 2006 and finished up and really hadn't done anything since 2007. I just really didn't think I had much to talk about, I guess. Do we all have Sony Walkmans on at the time? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there was people coming up and giving you those SideQuest drives, and you could have where, to put them. Out. Yeah, mm. where do you, where do I go to get a podcast? What exactly. store is that? At? Is that well, at Fry's? Oh God! But um, <laughs> the two of the guys who were uh, around when I started doing it uh, have a podcast now called the Mad Dad Podcast. I I didn't know that they were doing it, but they're mm-hmm. two very interesting characters to talk to. 
Were they like musicians, you mean, or something, or, yeah, or well, texts yeah, from a long yeah, time ago? One, actually, one actually is uh, is a musician and played a lot in the San Francisco area, and uh, the other is from um, South South Carolina. But it, it, they both have a, you know real jobs as as well. But the funny this is the funny thing was uh, you know I had one who kind of understood what I was doing with uh, with my questions and answers, and the other guy was like who's the most difficult person you ever worked for, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just mm -hmm. like, you know, you just can find a way and you gloss over it. You just go, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I mean, that's not what I'm, I'm not, I'm not here for that. You know, I mm -hmm. just can't, can't be. It's not, yeah. it's not fair to them. It's not fair to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I basically just sort of shined it on with uh, the, the one guy. Who was calling me by the wrong, the wrong uh, last name as it was, anyways, which is sort of hysterical. <laughs> he says, "What is your last name after all?" And I said, "I just so I said the name that he was kept using." You know, I said, <laughs> "I might change it." Thoughts about road life and travel. What kind of a what kind of person does it take to handle the constant movement that we're that we do. I mean, where we're literally can, can be in and out of a town in 16 hours and, uh, and then somewhere else, uh, after your big five hours of sleep. Patient one. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta really have, really gotta have patience and it, it's easier. I think when you're younger and you're more excited like, oh, we're back in Denver. Like, oh, I love this place. Or, you know, and, and sometimes you just like later in my career, I feel more like I love this town, but I need some rest today. Like I just need a quiet hotel room and some internet. I need to catch up on some stuff. The movement is, is one of the things that I've been having the hardest time adjusting to the lack of movement with being out of work. And I, I think there's a certain, we develop this certain feeling of accomplishment by getting through a leg of a tour. We did eight cities in two weeks or whatever we did. You're out for a month. We did 28 shows in 32 days or something. You, you, you have this accomplishment that by getting through these three cities, um, we did something, you know, we put the show on every night and we kind of get used to that, but there's something about getting from point A to point D and hitting B and C that you just have this sort of kind of accomplishment and I am going somewhere and I'm being productive sort of thing. And that's the hardest thing to do now. If I was somebody that was an accountant or something and I, was able to stay at home during this pandemic thing and work uh, all the time. Like I'd be like, yeah, look at all the work I'm getting done here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Like I can do so much work at home, but like we have none of that. There's just zero. There's, there's just none of it. I think to be on, to be able to deal with the travel and everything is just, you have to just understand that things aren't going to go right. They aren't going to go the way you think they're going to go or you want them to go. And you have to just always assume that it's not going to go. Something's going to happen. The airline or the ground transportation or this thing or that thing, or your room is, 
you know, broken. <laughs> and, how about, and an, can, uh, how about a, a, a volcano in Iceland? <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, a volcano is going to hit and uh, you're not going to be able to do a single thing about it. Or if you just sit in the lobby and wait for a while or go get something to eat when you come back, your key will be ready rather than blowing up the lobby with insults and all that. And, and you know, people don't want to, you don't want to work with somebody like that. And the people, the people that are, you know, trying to take care of those things for you, they don't need you in their face because they already know what's going on. Right. So to being patient to, to everyone involved is usually the best way to just get through it sometimes, you know, just kind of smile and nod and know that tomorrow it's going to be a completely different scenario. You know, like today we might be in Russia and nobody's helping us, but if we get through this and get to another country, you know, where they, they want to help us or something, it, you're going to, you kind of have to look at the whole, the bigger picture, I guess, but, um, being able to, to help other people through those things too. Like, Hey, let's grab somebody and somebody's stressing out and say, Hey, come up to my room, take a shower, do your thing, get online. And when your room's ready, you can get your stuff in there. You know, just things like that to just keep things moving. Well, that's, it sort of goes to like the next question that I'm looking at, which is uh, the element of crew is the team or is it a collection of coordinated loners? You know, <laughs> I mean, what is more, what, what's more productive? I mean, I, I've, I've heard arguments for both. I feel like one thing I really like about my job is that if I know, I mean, I presume that I know what I'm doing. Uh, if I'm in a situation where I have been doing this with a band and uh, production people over the years kind of come and go and and you're you're one of the constants that goes through and it's things are going to be a different vibe between one production manager and another one or who are the other people you're working with and all that kind of thing I really like that at, no matter what I just need my little area my little space like that's the little part that I can have some control over and uh, I just need a little bit of electricity <laughs> and a and a, you know protection from the rain or whatever, and then I can do what I need to do, and I don't need uh, a supervisor of any sort to come over and tell me I'm doing something wrong or suggest I do something a different way. If something is suggested, it's because it needs to be done a different way today mm-hmm. because of extenuating circumstances. I'm, I don't care. Let's get through the day. Sure. It's one show. It's one place. I don't care. You want me to set up backwards or sideways? No problem. Got but it. You, but you're also, you're also so responsible for creating that environment for your guy that yeah. you have to just say, sometimes you have to stand up and be a little bit of bullheaded about it and say, listen, I'm, I'm the only advocate for this. It's in this building right now. He's not here. <laughs> And, and anybody else who would understand what's going on isn't here. Me, I'm, I'm the advocate. I say this needs to be like this. Yeah, and that's a very good point. And I think it, you have to be, if you're a respected person in the organization, then, then the people 
you know, around you should also listen to you. Like, Hey, I'm having a problem with this or, you know, with, I have, I really don't like it when people speak for the band, when you know, they never have ever had the, this conversation with the band about something in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, the man doesn't like it when this happens and the man doesn't like that. And it's like, okay, are you sure about that? But in, in the case of the singer, when the stage is vibrating and it's, it's too loud and something mm-hmm. like that. And you're just like, Hey guys, this isn't going to fly. You guys better start working on it now because it's going to be really difficult to fix during the show. Like this is not going to work. It's just not going to work. And you can believe me <laughs> or you can suffer the consequences later. Um, and not, not to sound condescending about it, but sometimes you just know this is this guy. Uh, my guy's just not going to like this at all. I've seen it. I, I actually think Felt about it. it. It's funny because, you know, um, we're in a rare position that, you know, I've done your job, you've done my job, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and on a couple of, for a couple of different artists. But I mean, I think that, that, that idea of that, uh, years ago where we had the, uh, the subs up in the air ahead of, uh, over the top of the stage. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they, and they literally could change the shape of how that comes down. And they were going and, you know, getting those little thrusts we had all over the stage yeah. and, and you had to get them to dial it in mm-hmm. so that, so that, you know, it's like, Hey, he can't go out there and sing and have a completely different sound than he does on the rest of the stage. You've got to do something about this. Yeah. And, 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 you know, sometimes, I mean, especially if you act rational about it and, and methodical uh-huh. about it that you can get them to kind of look at it because we know that other departments love to tell the your department uh, that's your problem and it's yeah. your, you have to you have to find a solution and we do what we do well and it's it's not uh, I I've always looked at it like this isn't this isn't for my benefit other than no. when the guys having a shitty show. And he can't sing and he can't pitch because there's so much low end happening here. Who's he going to take it out on? He's going to take it out on me. Right. If he doesn't have a good show, the the lead guy in the band or whomever, then that trickles down. Like other people in the band feel that tension and the rest of the crew feels that uh, the, the tension and the stress. Mm-hmm. And it's just not fun at all. So just the, if everyone has the idea that we just we need to make the show the best we can and the band as comfortable as possible then everything else will kind of fall into place you know beyond that we can deal with the broke down um forklifts and and all the other crap that we're gonna have to deal with afterwards that's fine but during that show time because uh, man i can't I, i try to put myself in their shoes sometimes when the guy's standing out there and his guitar doesn't work. And he's standing in front of 50,000 people. Something's wrong or he can't hear, you know, his ears aren't working or something. You're just, just left out there hanging, blowing in the breeze in front of 50,000 people. Like it has to be a horrible feeling. I don't care how confident you are to feel like, Hey, uh, I can't do what I'm supposed to do. And it doesn't look like anybody's trying to help me. You know, it's a terrible place for them to be so you, you desperately try to make sure that never happens to them right 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally know what you're talking about. And it's the, it's that horrible feeling of, of uh, going out and trying to figure it out. You are at, you really are going through this, trying to do things systematically. And, and all of a sudden, the person that's over your shoulder is getting into a quite an emotional state. And you can just feel it just sort of burning hole in the back of your head. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I'm, I'm on it. I'm doing yeah. what I know how to do. Yeah. Go refer, I'd like to refer you to the joke book for the next yeah. five minutes while yeah. we are, you know, we've, we've all been there where it's something, who knows where in the venue or something's happened and the band has to go off stage. Right to get whatever, you know, the PA, the, the generators quit again or oh, something. Yeah. It's like, let's just stop and fix this and get back to it. You know, everyone's going to be okay. You have to have a realistic attitude. Um, one thing I do <laughs> remember feeling kind of like I told you so. It was, it was a very simple thing where we were doing festival stages and they always have a big clock up, right? Mm-hmm. Big white face clock or digital running clock great big giant thing off in the wings and uh, i was telling the newer production team while we're doing changeover or something who's going hey that's that clock thing has to go or the drummer is going to you're going to be dealing with it during the show it's it's going to be a problem and it was kind of blown off for it like yeah yeah, yeah maybe we'll yeah. get to it or yeah. sure whatever man and i let it let it go and it was sure enough two songs in it was people were being summoned and their people were pointing and the whole thing. And next thing I knew somebody was climbing up the truss mm-hmm. <laughs> 15 feet off the ground to pull the clock down, you know? Yeah. And those are things like, Hey, if this had just been taken care of, then we nobody would ever noticed anything. The drummer wouldn't have noticed. We wouldn't have had yeah. to stop. It wouldn't have caused anybody any stress, any problem. You know, I also understand that on the other side of things, everyone has to understand that, not everything's going to be perfect every day. Right. You know, Man, the band has absolutely. to understand that. The crew, the, everyone has to know that, hey, it's different today. Okay. Is there, there has to be an element of trust in your job relationship, you know, for shows, for creating, for protection of your personal life and their personal life. I mean, that kind of, you have to have that thing where you have to believe, there's nothing worse than having the person uh, that you're working for look at you and just and they're just looking at you going yeah I don't believe in you I don't believe mm. that you can't kind of pull this off you know <clears throat> I mean there are times there are times when when the, it's, it's, it's really a, it's a horrible feeling I mean it's just a horrible feeling you sit there and you do everything that you know how to do mm-hmm. and and you can't kind of get it right and you still don't have an answer and you still you can't make the person overcome whatever it is in their mind that's right right. the problem yeah i mean yeah and i mean it's funny i mean i had one guy who i went through that with just because of the kind of personality that he had where Mm -hmm. um it was never his fault and and um and then I would. I actually ended up leaving that gig and coming back when they had a, a staffing problem, and uh, I was re- greeted like uh, you know the, the return of the prodigal son, you know, <laughs> and it was like, what? Where did that come from? You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's always it's always good with you, you know. And I'm like, wow, what do I know? Yeah, yeah. I wish you had uh, given me that feeling <laughs> earlier. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, um, yeah. I, sometimes you just, I think you have to just let it, you have to let it go. You know, you, you kind of have to just, okay, this is what it is going to be. It's super stressful right now. Maybe you didn't have control over something or, you know, whatever is happening in guy's life or whatever, whatever you do isn't going to be right or something. It's, it's a tough spot to be in. Um, I, there was, I mean, there was one situation where we did, we did, uh, an outdoor thing, but this, the stage was pretty bad and the whole thing was vibrating so terribly. It, it was just, you know, he kept coming over saying this up, down this, tell him this, tell him that. And it was just, it was horrible. It wasn't going good. And he could just see it. It yeah. was just all over. The rest of the band was like not digging it. Um, yeah. And I, I, I had to, I felt like I was taking a, I, I might be overstepping a little bit, but I, I just, I kind of almost, well, I stopped the show essentially when he came over and I said, okay, look, uh, I, we understand this. Uh, I, we know it's not right. I've told certain people to do these things that you asked and they're working on it, but you have to understand, you know, I, I just said, you have to understand that we are all trying to help you right now. And just gave him a, like a sense of calm. And that was, that was a pretty good caddy exactly. slash Sherpa moment. And it, yeah. and it, and it really, it really helped him to just take a step and and stop and think about it. Let's give it a minute. We're trying as hard as we can to fix this. We know uh, we understand you're not having a good time and it's not good. However, I I was afraid that he could have just lost his shit on me and and focused all of that negative energy at me and taken it out on me and right. and apologize for it later or not. Right. Exactly. So kind of have to. <laughs> You have to judge what, what, how, how deep do you want to go in there, and and it can be difficult. But it was in the end, it's memorable show to me because of that fact that we got through it all together. Uh, well, that's um, the thing that I I find fascinating is that we actually get to a point in our career where all of a sudden we're the the, the voice of reason for some mm -hmm. reason. You know, I mean, I know I started out, I used to be very emotional, sometimes very yeah. destructive uh, on, on jobs that I was doing. And, uh, you know, and after a while, you just go, I mean, I think there's just an essential change in, in, in me as a person. Yeah. You know, I, getting older will do that to you. But That's, you also kind of look at it and it's like, hey, this isn't rocket science. This mm -hmm. is, this is not, we're not curing cancer here. We're, yeah. we're doing a little show yeah. and, and, and believe me, if you think that I want it to go, I mean, that's a, one of the things if you think I really want you to go through this and have the kind of yelling and, and yeah. swearing at me, you know, you're, you're wrong. I want this yeah. to go away now. Yeah. You know? And I, uh, I, I am on your team. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's, and, it's a, it's a tough lesson to learn, especially if you've got uh, an artist who kind of goes in the zone when they play, a lot of them do mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you just, you have to, you have to find a way to uh, immediately get to that other personality. That's, that has a certain amount of reason and, and yeah. let them know, just hang, we're doing our best. Mm -hmm. you know? 
you what know, you can't I, what you what you can't do is let that thing happen over and over and over again. No, no. And if you, you if you do that, then you are wrong. But if right. that's not the case, then you know you're not really wrong. And and I totally agree with what you're saying about <clears throat> you get to a point in your career where you've just had enough experience, and, and it's it's a gradual thing. But the shift happens, and you, you gain enough experience where you can stand your ground and say, Hey man, I did, uh, these five things that I thought were important to making the show happen. Mm -hmm. And if something else popped up and I didn't see it, uh, that's, it's what happened. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that in the future, but you have to, and I, I always kind of, yeah, I always take it to the extreme. And I think this is, I need to put myself in a situation still where, I can just walk away. And if you have, if you have the, the, the confidence and the backbone to just be able to say, Hey, you know what? You know, I like, I'm not making you happy. Uh, I'm not sure what the problem is, but Hey, that's okay. Maybe we're not getting along. If you just keep that in the back, in your back pocket as a, I don't have to, I'm not being forced to be (laughs) in the position where somebody's just an unhappy person is yelling at you all the time. Like, I don't want that. I just don't, I don't need that job that bad to do that. And, and when you also, when you have enough experience, you know, other people have to look at you and see that experience or they're not going to have any faith in you. Like I, I've seen guys that are, something goes wrong and, and a tech is just freaking out going hundred miles an hour, plugging, turning everything off, switching everything. Whereas if you could just take a minute and listen and look at your equipment and find out what and where the problem is. I mean, I, I, I picture, you know, the guitar player out there looking over and you're flailing and it's like, it's a dust cloud over there. He's not going to feel very good about you and your, like, what, what do you have uh, in your back pocket to fix this? You know, I think there's another thing that happens where, you can see a damaged musician in that they have had poor support in the past and they don't trust anybody. Right. And maybe they trust one person. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is an outsider. Right. You know, it's like, Hey, (laughs) you're paying me to be here. I'm on your side. I'm on your team. I want to help you. And sometimes they just, they don't see it. Um, I, boy, we had a, a guest guitar player come in to rehearse with the band and, and, uh, he was in a, you know, popular band years ago and still a good dude, respectable guy. And although I didn't know him, he didn't know us. So he didn't know me from his past relationship with the band and everything. And he brought his guitar in and he set it down and, and, I pulled his guitar out and I'll just tune it up for him quick. I said, Hey, you know, we're down half step and just, well, it's good to see you. Glad you're here. This is cool. And, you know, he had all his string wound up off the tuning. Oh yeah. Off the tuners. And it was just like this whole mess up there. And I didn't just clip them all off. I said, Hey, uh, thinking maybe he just, he misplaced his diagonal cutters or something and, you know, didn't, cut them off or something. And I, and I asked him, I said, Hey, do you want me to cut these off? And he was just, you could tell he was waiting for some, something 
or someone to like try and take advantage of him or do something he didn't want to do. And he kind of snapped at me, no, you gotta leave, you know, leave those on. And then he thought about it for a minute and he said, thank you for asking. You know, he, he, he kind of appreciated that. Okay. All right. You know, I'm a little nervous and nobody's out to get me in, you know, or trying to <laughs> sabotage what I'm doing here. You know, we're all just here to help. And, and sometimes I think crews can get that um, reputation where it's, ooh, you know, we see that, you know. I find that with the Metallica crew sometimes. Like, oh, Metallica crew's coming in. You're going to be a bunch of a-holes, you know, yeah. just based on no other knowledge than what they've made up in their own minds that we're going to be difficult to deal with. Right. You come in, you have a great day, and they're just like, wow. I mean, I see it in promoter reps. I see it in stagehands uh hotel staff <laughs> a lot of diff- every in every every you know a- aspect that you have to deal with people and and they go wow this was a really great this might be the best show this year and it is that that kind of thing is sort of rewarding but it's 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 awfully nice when it happens uh-huh. um but it's yeah we're not evil <laughs> no no it's funny because i mean you know um i've done that working with uh amy and emily where it's mm-hmm. where the the past experiences for them were were really intense so and then we kind of came in and, and you know me and mike and you know everybody's just so low-key and, and they, uh, they didn't want to relinquish certain things to you like responsibilities and sometimes and you're like, yeah, i can re- really i can take care of that for you yeah. Mm, I don't know. I think I'll do it. You know, okay, yeah. let me know. Be happy to help you. <laughs> so this sort of goes along with what we've just been talking about, but I find it it's an interesting question I've asked a couple of people. When it goes bad, do you take it or do you walk? You know, do you confront what's going on or do you stuff your feelings and just say, All right, I'll do the I'll go up to the last gig and then I'm never gonna look back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you always have, I, no matter what, uh, unless it's gone really, really horrible, you kind of have to, if you say you're going to do a tour, then you got to do it. Yeah. If it's, if it turns out to be a terrible situation or like not what you expected at all. Yeah. You have to get through the end of what you told them you were going to do. Yeah. I, I don't ever want to leave anybody in a lurch. You know, I've gone in and filled in on things, which is nice because, hey, I'm only here for two weeks. <clears throat> I'm here for a night or whatever. I'm going to do the best I can. And you guys go off and do your thing. And if you need me in the future, give me a call. But when you're younger, I, I think it's a lot harder to be able to say that. Just, you know, this isn't working out for us to feel like you have a leg to stand on. And and because you're, you're not, you don't know what other work is out there. You You don't want to go you don't want to be out of work for six months because you didn't like a situation or a band or something. However, yeah, you have to look after yourself because a lot of times, especially in those situations, no one else is going to. So if it's where you're not getting fed and you, you know, things like people taking advantage of you or something, or now you're doing three jobs and you're only supposed to do one, you know, like, okay, I'll, I'm doing that for this leg for this part of this next two or three weeks. 
and I'll talk to the manager about pay or I'll fix this or do that or something's got to change or, you know, you can't, you can't leave them in a position where they don't have a tech that night. You know, if you guys want to get somebody in or, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of speaking through other things that I've seen. Um, I've only been in a couple situations where I was just like, this sucks. (laughs) Just not having a good time. And it's, and it's, it's really important to remember that, you know, we're not here to be abused. We're not here to, um, I don't know, it just shouldn't be miserable. It should just, it should be fun. Yeah. And you have to, you have to look after your own mental health in that respect and say, yeah, this isn't working for me. I just, this is, we did not see an eye to eye. And it's only really happened with, with one band for me. And <clears throat> I was, you know, I was quote unquote replaced and it was the only time it's happened in my career. And when it, when it happened, I was, I was so ready. I mean, I had, I was like, it was a relief. It was just the weight off my shoulders. Like, okay, cool. Good. Like I didn't have to make the call. Right. And it was a learning experience for me. And I said, okay, cool. I, you know, I'm done. I, I should have really been done before that. I should have made the decision, but um, I, I didn't feel like I had had anything else really going on and there wasn't really 10 other things on the horizon. You know, it's, it's not fair. I don't think to, you know, you see people jump ship or you see people give up the lesser paying job and go to the higher paying job, but you, you have to kind of do those things and help facilitate the change. You know, yeah, if, yeah. if that's what you have to do. Oh, it's but, only fair. I mean, and, and you know, we've been in that situation where, um, you even tell the people you're working for, Hey, listen, I have a uh, main gig and you mm-hmm. know, if they, if they call, I'm going to have to go. And mm-hmm. you know, I have, I have a few people in mind if, if that happens that, uh, you know, we'll take care of you, but you know, and no one wants to hear that, but it's the reality of it is, is that sometimes that does happen. That's how I got into Springsteen because uh, the guy that was doing my job had to go back to his full-time job. Uh, and and I and I went in and, and took his place, you know. And if, if it's gonna be, if it's gonna be a music business, and there and bands are gonna, any manager or anybody will happily come to you and say, hey, oh by the way, we're slashing your pay. Right. Uh, it's sorry, that's business. You know, you can't get that camaraderie and the business side mixed up together. Right. You know, where, I think that's where the separation helps, where you, you have the ability in your own mind to tell yourself, I can walk away from this and be fine. <laughs> so they, I think that they have to, in return, understand, hey, it's a business. I, I get paid more and I'm going, I have to go do this tour that's 10 times longer than your tour. You know, you're a nice yeah. guy and I like you and everything, but, I, you know, I got a good guy that I'm, I can bring in and I'll show him how to do it and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And and I'm sorry, but it's, it's what the way it is, you know, and you're not, you know, you're not married. You're not, you know, you're not going to, it'd be kind of egotistical to think that they're going to be crushed by you leaving and that their careers won't go on either, you know? So you have to give yourself a little bit of freedom to do that kind of thing. Absolutely. But always do, always do what you say. That's my, if you say you're going to do something, you just do it. And oh it yeah. Sucks I mean, to get through it. You gotta, you gotta 
buck up and get through it yeah. and then change it when you can. Yeah, I'm with you. Finish finish what you said you were going to do and then yeah. take take them off the Christmas card list. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think I've got one more question, but it's sure. it's, it's the biggie. Uh-oh. COVID. What mm-hmm. the what the hell happened to our industry and what are we going to do? <clears throat> was the industry that was impossible to destroy, wasn't it? Through yeah. the recessions and uh, real estate bubbles and, um, you know, Wars. Vol- volcanoes Volcan- <laughs> in Iceland. <laughs> you know, that's, I was thinking that was the last time that anything like has threatened, you know, a quote unquote act of God or whatever yeah. you want to call it that has, Oh, Oh, maybe we can't play music for people. That's, a little strange, but it's the only time that it's really happened. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, don't have, no one has any experience on how to deal with this situation. There are no elders that made it through <clears throat> the Spanish one. <laughs> right. You know, and you can read the history books and whatnot and, uh, and, and learn from the past, but this is, just completely strange and out of the blue. Uh, I think that I'm trying to use this time for a bit of a reset anyway. Uh, I'm definitely trying to make the most of my time and spend it with the kids and stuff because once this whole thing starts back up again, everybody's going to be working their hind ends off. It's going to be everyone, all these tours is backlog of tours and there isn't going to be enough PAs. There isn't going to be enough lighting equipment. There isn't going to be enough crew to do all of this because everyone was going to want to be out all the time because everybody's been sitting around losing money. Oh yeah. Um, who was it? Was it, uh, did I see a quote from David Crosby or something saying, if I, if I can't get these gigs back, I'm going to lose my house. Yeah. Like, Wow. There's people that just, you know, most people think that all these bands or even artists that had a hit some years ago <clears throat> are just sitting on heaps of cash, and it's just not true. Um, it costs money to to run these businesses and to, to hire people and to have people, and everyone's taking their cut, and, you know, people need to, since they aren't selling records off the shelves anymore, it's the touring where you make your money, so... It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of fast paced action when it starts up. And I realize that. So I'm trying to take this time to just like pull back, <clears throat> pull back my life and everything. Um, I also was, you know, I felt a little, I felt a little stupid for having, kind of having all my eggs in one basket, so to speak, and say, whoa, oh, I don't have a side hustle. I don't have, uh, I can't go back and work at, uh, you know, grandpa's cabinet factories, anything. I don't like, ooh. And I felt a little ashamed that like, wow, I don't, I don't have anything else going on. Like I got to figure this out. It's kind of strange or I'm going to be, you know, have to go back to landscaping or something and, and, they don't really want to do that, but I can. Um, and I think that I think it's going to, it's going to really change. I hope that it changes a lot of people's ability to deal with all these things that we've been 
talking about. Like, yeah, well, the stage sucked tonight, but hey, at least we got jobs. At least we are touring. At least we're able to play in front of people. You know, it takes a little bit of the importance off of why is my fan in the wrong place? You know, that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope that it sort of humbles a lot of people that might need humbling. And I hope that it, I, and I'm talking about musicians, I'm talking about technicians, I'm talking about executives, I'm talking about promoters, every single person. And I think that when, when we do get back out there, that, that the fans are going to be so appreciative to be able to go do these things yeah. again, that it's just going to be, I think it's going to be amazing. Like I keep trying to picture this first time when the band goes out on stage and the crowd brings it up and it's just like, and everything's right and everything goes great. There's just going to be such a good feeling from everyone about that happening. So right now it's just a waiting game and, and nobody has any control over it. I think there are ways we could be dealing with this better, of course, but I'll leave, you know, the politicking out of this. The people, I think we need to collectively look at how other countries are doing things and not doing things and how the, how their situation is, how they affect the outcome is affected by what they're doing or not doing. And it's, it's so clear to me to be able to see that but not a lot of people can. And so it's just going to make the waiting game that much longer. I mean, we really need, we really need a vaccine. And that is the one that to me is the, is the fulcrum is when, when the vaccine comes in and everybody can get it and everybody can feel safe again about going back out, you know, there's going to be a, thank God this is over moment and just trying to hang in there till then. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe one of the Kardashians will come up with something. They've got got a lot of resources, don't they? Uh, Yeah, they're really worried about us, you know. I know, about about their their customers. (laughs) Well, my friend, what a pleasure it is to have time to talk to you and uh, get your opinion on stuff. We should be doing this every week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Catching up. Well, I'll tell you, there's a there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of more guys in your in your uh, group that I need to pry some information out of. Yeah, see what do they it. have to do. do uh, I already threatened the biggin. Uh, oh yeah, a few, good. A, a few years back, and he said he he would be glad to do it. So, well, everyone's kind of sitting around with not much to do. So, it, and everyone's been <sighs> thinking about their situation and this situation and what it all means. So I think you have a lot of reflection to, to mine. Oh, you know, we, uh, Hey, Hey, you know what? We got to, got to keep our heads high enough to holler as, uh, as someone mm-hmm. once said, but, uh, thank you so much for your time. And thank uh, you, Aaron. And I'll, I'll definitely be seeing you. Oh, probably next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everything's just next year at this point, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, next year. Believe, I mean, it seems like between March and now is taken forever, and it's also been a blink of an eye because I just mm-hmm. can't believe 
how fast it's passed. And yeah. It's like, oh wow, it's summer. Oh, and yeah, you know, yeah. It's 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 again that thing where, hey, in this amount of time, I would have been through, <laughs> you know, twenty one countries and done all of this stuff, and I've done none of that. Yeah. So how do I how do I gauge how much time has passed? I have no idea. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, and listen, nobody wants the two of us to go back to landscaping in these hot towns we live in. That's just, it's just too much. It is. It is too much. My love to the family. And uh, thanks again. All right. Thank you, Aaron. Yep. We'll talk soon. Okay.